Welcome to another Axe Church podcast. Glad you're with us. Uh, if you're listening on our new channel, welcome. If you're not, uh, check out our new channel. Um, it's Axe Church podcast as well as Axe Church sermons. We have split it in two. We used to have them both on the same channel. Now we have Dose. We have two. Um, so yeah, check them out. It's very international of you. Have we? Uh, <laughs> do they a- do they know where to find these on iTunes? You would go to what Axe Church podcast? Yeah, any any uh, place you're getting your podcast from. It's going to be Axe Church Podcast. The old channel you'll notice has changed from Axe Church Podcast to Axe Church Podcast and Sermons. And now we have another channel that is Axe Church Podcast and another channel that is Axe Church Sermons. And the old channel will phase out over the course of the next year or so. So we'll stop posting on that channel over time. Yep. And be posting on either Axe Church Podcasts or Axe Church Sermons. So you should go to those. Subscribe. Pause right now. Go to those. You're probably on that right now. If you're listening to this, maybe, or you're on your whatever, wherever you get your podcasts, go subscribe to those so that you get those weekly that they'll come and give you a little message pop up so that you can do your favorite thing, which is, of course, listening to either Axe Church Podcast or Axe Church Sermons. <laughs> um, so, yeah. We're also, we're probably going to start up um, another kind of branch of our podcast um, called Contemplate, which um, for for those of you who are familiar with our past Contemplate, it won't quite be that. Um, It might uh, be similar, but it's going to be more like a broken up um, bite-sized version of the sermons, basically. Um, So you can listen to them over the course of a drive, probably, as opposed to over the course of an hour. Right. Ron Hagelgans, who uh, is uh, on staff here, does um, editing and so on of of some of the sermons. He's going to edit those into more of like what you would hear if you were on one of the Christian radio stations listening to sermon content, you know, so breaking those sermons, breaking those 60-minute sermons up into, you know, three 20-minute pieces um, with kind of a a beginning and an end that sort of lead in. You'll see what it's like if you like that, right? Rather than listening to a whole sermon, that's that's great. I think for some people it'll be better, mm-hmm. um, and for some people they'd rather just listen to the whole thing, and for some people they'd rather not listen at all. Um, <laughs> and they don't hear this anyway. <laughs> and, and you'll never hear this, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah anyway, <laughs> well, we've got we're, we're we're coming up with more options. We're trying to to bolster our uh, podcasting game, I guess as. The kids would say the podcasting game is strong yeah. here at Axe Church, <laughs> um, or getting getting stronger. Although we did miss last week, um, yeah, we're outside today. It's January. What is it? 29th? I something. Like it's that. the 30th. Is it the 30th? Okay. Yeah, yeah it's the 30th. January 30th. We're in the Northwest. It's like negative 18,000 degrees all through the Midwest. But here, it's a balmy 49, 50 degrees. It's sunny. You can see the mountains. For those of you in other parts of the country where it's cold, stay warm. Uh, I'm sorry you're having to deal with that. But hey, it gives you more time to listen to podcasts. It's not even uh, windy here. Yesterday no, it was windy. It's but today not it's windy. It's beautiful. Quiet. It's, it's sunny. I went out and played disc golf today because that's fun. I flew my drone. Um, Hunter fruit flew his drone, so that's good. Good. Um, it's a little fun. The sun's out. You can see the mountains. For those of you who have never been to the Northwest, uh, it is absolutely gorgeous when it's sunny. Uh, a lot of the time in the winter, we spend with it being very cloudy. Whenever you watch a movie about Seattle or Portland, it's always raining because people just assume it's always raining here. And for those of you who are thinking about moving here, it's always raining here. Don't don't come. Um, but do this we, winter, we don't, we don't want to pay any more for right. our homes than we already right. have to pay. Uh, but yeah, this winter's been okay. It hasn't been that bad. Yeah. And uh, I was driving across the 205 bridge north this morning from Portland. Yeah. And I could see Mount uh, St. Helens. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, I could see the whole gorge. But I could see Mount St. Helens ahead of me, which 
kind of looks like a a mountain with a top cut off because it is a mountain with a top cut That's off. That's blown off, actually. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the came through with a knife. Your time. <laughs> Just about 14 years before my time. Mm-hmm. And then to my right, I could see Mount Hood. It was, it was a nice drive. Yeah, it's going over the 205 bridge. And, and just being able to look up the gorge and see Mount Hood and see the gorge. And, of course, when you can see Mount St. Helens, too, it's Or driving it's down 14, when I'm coming to church on Sunday mornings and it's a clear morning, driving down Highway 14. I don't know. You probably don't do that. I've, I've done it many times. It is, it is probably one of the best views that we get in this county. It's, like, lined up perfectly. You have, like, trees 200 feet up on yep. both sides of you and then just, like, a clearing straight ahead of you from the highway of Mount Hood. It's perfect. Yep. And it, the, you get to see Mount Hood. It looks bigger on that drive than mm-hmm. it probably does almost anywhere else until right. you literally get to the mountain. Right. It just looks can't huge. Because it it's right. You're on it. <laughs> it just looks huge. It's just it's it's amazing. It's awesome. And and you know, just the handiwork of God and the beautiful things that He's made. And it it, it actually amazes me, and this is not what the podcast is about today, but it <laughs> amazes me how many people live here recognize the incredible design and beauty of nature and yet decide to worship nature right. instead of worshiping God. I mean, um, it's not like they came up with that. They're, some, they're not the first ones to do that. But. No, it's 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 an old form of paganism. It's been around for a long time. Again, not what the podcast is about today. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point. Although it's not totally outside of what we want to talk about because one of the things that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks um, in, in the sermons and the messages in church um, are these dualisms, one of which is this body-soul dualism, right? This, this separation between the soul-spirit and the body. And paganism and other other uh nature worshiping practices really are similar if you go to romans one and you and you see where god says look what's known about god is known right you can know it it's in your heart you can see it in nature everything that there is about god including his godhead can be seen from what has been made and yet we suppress the truth and unrighteousness and decide to worship the creature rather than the creator right and so there's this whole distinction of hey we we have because we have not wanted to bend the knee because we have not wanted to submit to God, we've decided that we will create for ourselves. And of course, this has taken many forms. Idolatry, literally like making idols, chopping down a tree, half of it you burn to keep warm, the other half you worship and say, this is my God. You know, that, that kind of nonsense. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> hmm. We'll cut that out um, or not. Um, you know, that kind of nonsense has always been going on. And we've what we've done is we've done a similar thing where we've broken ourselves up as, as humans, as persons into these different categories, um, which we are body, soul, spirit, but that's a united whole. We've said, no, the body is something separate. It's basically a robot. It's a sack of meat. It's whatever. And who you are is really what is in the soul spirit part of you that just controls the body as some sort of automaton, some sort of puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so out of that, we have seen all kinds of ways for us to justify different evils like abortion, like sexual immorality in all its forms, because we basically say we can do what we want with the body. Mm-hmm. Now, can you... I don't. I was just thinking about this, and I don't know if it's just me, but what does the term dualism mean? Like, I think I make an assumption about what it means, but I don't know if I've ever actually. I'm I'm, I'm 
considering whether to just make you tell me what your assumption is, but I'll tell you what dualism is. So a dualism, and if you if you listen to the sermon from two weeks ago, I kind of walk through what dualisms are, but you're basically taking something that's not necessarily divided and dividing it. Right. So you're, you're making a distinction where a distinction doesn't really exist. Right. Okay. So you have a mind-body dualism. We talked about sac- sacred secular dualism, which is a different thing. Fact-value dualism. Um, Fact-value may be the easiest one to express it, where we say certain things are true and those are facts and other things are or certain things are objectively true like there's a tree out here that we can both look at that's objectively true we can go see it we can smell it i suppose we could taste it we can feel it while well, um, things are subjective values well well your values things like that you love me which of course you do is not really true that's just something inside your own head. It's not really true. It's not really objective, or I l- I like love the tree. Hamburgers. Or you love hamburgers? Sure. Well, you know, probably more than you love me. Um, which Depends is, on the day. Which is a problem. <laughs> um, I've bought you many hamburgers, so um, that's true. The, it just goes right back to the, I'm worshiping the hamburger instead of the one who bought right. it. That's right. You're, that's exactly <laughs> right. You've got your love aimed in the wrong direction. <laughs> but the, the fact that you love your mother, for instance, we would you, the fact value dualism or dichotomy, you can use either word, would say that that is not true. That's just a subjective feeling that exists inside your own brain and has no truth outside of that. That's okay. where the what we would say as believers is both of those things are facts. They're both truths. There's no difference between the kind of truth that involves your love for your mother and the kind of truth that involves that tree. They're both real, objectively real. Mm-hmm. And so we make a dichotomy or a dualism when we split apart things to, and, and categorize them separately when they're not different kinds of things. So it's a, it's a logical fallacy. It, it is. If the dual there now there could be a dualism that's real, right? Let, that where things really are separated. Okay? okay. So you could have a dualism that separates things that should be separate, and that would be that kind of a dualism would be true. Right. But a dualism in the sense that we're talking about are dualisms that are not true. So in this case, we're talking about mind-body dualism. The body and the mind are not an integrated whole. They're rather you have a body, which is really not you. That's not who you are. It's not part of you as a person. Hunter is not a body. Hunter is only a soul spirit. Mm -hmm. And so really you're, and you see lots of religions where really the goal is for your spirit and soul to leave the body and become some sort of gossamer floating ghost Mm -hmm. that, you know, experiences the real or the true and leaves the body, which is just this physical nonsense, or even some people would say an evil thing, Mm -hmm. leaves that aside. That is not Christianity, though. God created man in his own image and likeness and created him physical from the beginning before sin. Sounds like we got a flock of geese above us. I I imagine you'll probably be able to hear that. Um, One of the wonderful things about recording these outside, I hope that they don't leave anything, uh, drop anything on us on their way. We've got some covering. Yeah. Um, Well, they could have a little angle and make that thing work through. Um, We're good. So the idea is... You know, be, be released from the body, become one with God or whatever, that type of a thing. It's just not Christian. There's nothing Christian about that. Christianity says God made man and woman in his image and likeness and made them physical. Christianity says Jesus Christ rose from the dead bodily, mm-hmm. not as a spirit, but as, but bodily rose from the dead and ate fish and walked and talked and did the things that you do in a body. And so that's, that's the Christian concept. When we split those things apart and say the body is not who we are, it becomes much easier to justify things like abortion, 
and say, oh, a baby inside a womb, an unborn child, is just a body until we say it ha- it's a person. And right. that personhood can come at some point. Or I can have sex with whoever I want because it's just my body touching their body. Wow, there's those geese again. It's just my body touching their body. And therefore, it, it's nothing. We're not connecting our personhood to that. It's right. not me and them having sex. It's just my body touching their body. Right. right. Um, and we're both, so we're both above that. Like, we, like right. we're OK. Like, right. Right. That's the hookup culture is based on that. Right. Like, I don't I'm not going to uh, emotionally attach to this person. I'm not I don't even care if we talk or know who each other is. We're just going to engage in this physical act with our physical bodies. And that and that act is essentially meaningless. Mm-hmm. It's just making these meat sacks feel good. Right. For a minute. And then we get on with our business. Because it's just entertainment. It's entertainment. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's not there's nothing to it. Which then I would say is entertainment just I think we've talked about this in, in previous podcasts, but entertainment. Okay, so so not that I'm saying this, but just for the sake of argument. Okay, well, you are just, saying <laughs> for the sake of of that argument. Okay, okay, it's just entertainment. Does that mean it doesn't matter? Does that mean it doesn't affect you? Well, that's what they would say. Right, right. Their their point is because there is a is a pure separation mm-hmm. between body and soul spirit, or or just let's say body and person, mm-hmm. because they consider soul spirit to be person, their personhood. Yeah. Some a, a pure materialist, an atheistic materialist, someone who believes that everything happened by chance, uh, Darwinian evolution, the the whole the whole nine yards would say that personhood isn't even necessarily a real con, uh, concept, but to the extent that it is, it involves the thoughts that happen inside your brain, but mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the rest of it. They would really be uh, a pure materialist would really be a body body person. There'd be no dualism at all. You are just a body. Nothing you do really matters. Right. It only matters in the sense that you want to make it have meaning to yourself. Right. Totally different Which um, I, issue. I'm, I'd be curious to see like a poll of, of how many people would land in each camp. But I would I would guess right now our society is about split 50-50 on that. I don't think that very many people, even even materialistic atheists, actually live out or 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 walk through their life thinking of themselves as a meaningless mass of cells. I think that that's where their philosophy clearly leads. And philosophers, atheistic philosophers, will admit that that's true. Right. But they'll but they'll also say, but I can't live like that. Right. Uh, you yeah. know. Uh, you know. You talk like Dawkins says. I don't cheat on my wife, not because there's any moral reason, because there's no real thing such thing as morality. But I just can't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean. And so you can't live when you have a philosophy that you can't live consistently with. You might want to check into whether it's true. Uh-huh. Um, but nevertheless, and, and of course, if atheism is true, materialistic atheism, and you're just a clump of cells, you only believe that atheism is true because that clump of cells has has determined that you will believe that. So therefore, you have to question whether what you believe is true because you only believe it because you're a to believe it. So you got all kinds of issues there. I don't want to walk through all that. Yeah. We could have a lot of fun with that, but <laughs> but I don't want to I don't want to do that. I want to stay with where I think most people are, Christian and non-Christian. Um, in most religions, most people I think walk through life holding some level of this mind-body dualism because it's become so prominent. It's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, Plato, uh, you know, back in 400 BC, thereabouts, three, 400 BC, uh, was, was talking about life and reality in these kinds of terms. And Descartes in the 1600s, what we would call the modern era as philosophers, we call it the modern era. Most people wouldn't say modern mean recent, but that's actually not what the modern era is. We're in the postmodern era philosophically. Right. I'm not going to go into all that, but, but Descartes 
really uh, took this idea of dualism. In his mind, he was trying to affect a compromise mm-hmm. between, you know, the church and, and the realm of science and, and whatever. He was actually a Christian, but it was a bad compromise. It didn't work. It wasn't logically sound. Nevertheless, it became very popular. And it's been very popular for thousands of years, really, because if you can separate the body from the self... You can justify all kinds of what we would call lusts and and desires of the body without without compromising moral, your yeah without a, without a moral aspect to them right? Right. right and so when the when the Romans were going around you know buying slaves and 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 using them for sex or or doing all kinds of sexually you know uh, grotesque things, they were able to just say, well, it's, it's just the body and the body's evil anyway. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's meaningless and whatever. This isn't really myself. And of course we do the same thing today. Right. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's where we are. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a couple things and I don't know what your experience would be with this because very few people understand this is the problem with worldview. Most people catch it like you catch a cold or in Washington state right now, measles, right. Um, which apparently we're like on the national news in Clark County, we're in Clark County, Washington here, which is like epicenter of the measles um, yeah. because people uh, have not vaccinated their children as much here in this area. And so it's gotten a chance to sort of have an outbreak, 30 something cases. I don't know how many. So now there's now there's one in New York and one in Hawaii, I think. And huh. anyway, um, so uh, you catch it. You don't you don't think through it. You just catch it. And I think because this is the philosophy that is most prevalent and prominent in most of the things we watch, most of the music we hear, most of the way that we talk, every sex education class, all those kinds of things. It's underlying all of that. You just catch it. And mm-hmm. so the way that you have to recognize it when you're looking for it is you can't recognize it by people having come up to you in the past and been like, Hunter, I think that our, bi- our bodies and our minds are separate and there's a dual, a Cartesian dualism that affects, right. they're not going to say it like that. Instead, you have to look through the way that they live and the, the way that they talk in general to see it. And so I'll ask you, you went to public school. Yeah. Um, you know. Shadow Park. Shout out. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we have lots of, if lots we have of any students Park from, listeners, let me know. From, I don't think Shadow we Park, is that Shadow Park, yeah. Shadow Park. S-H-A-D-L-E. All right. Shadow Park uh, listeners, you know, comment below. Um, shout out to Shadow Park. But it, if if you are in public school these days, I don't know. You, of course, this would have been, what, six, seven years ago that you were in high school? Yeah, six years ago I graduated. Wow, you're just getting so old. I know. It's just, you're just growing up so fast. Um, the the fact is, is that you're going to pick this up strongly. And so I'm wondering whether it's sex education class or whether it's just the way that other uh, that your friends talked about it or the, your friends who are engaging in, in sexually immoral acts and so on, which I know no high schooler would ever do. But no, no. let's assume that it probably happened. Um, you know, did you see this? Did you see sort of sex as something that was or abortion as something that was uh, talked about as though it didn't really have real moral implications um i think i had a a pretty um healthy circle around me you know i think i had a pretty um healthy group of friends even um those who weren't christians themselves um had fairly uh christian influenced values um so no i i mean i'm sure there was more of it than i knew i'm sure my friends weren't like let's go tell the the pastor's son about all of our sexual immorality, you know, or, you know, about sleeping with each other. My friends did, and I was a pastor's son. Well, so. yeah, but it sounds like we were different in high school. Uh, 
try to shame me on the podcast? <laughs> no, this that's, is what you say. Hi, this is just terrible. You make fun of me. I make fun I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight. Good. Go yeah. ahead. Um, and, and so I, I didn't, I didn't see a ton of it. I mean, I knew it, I knew it was going on um, sometimes, but for the most part, I think it was still taboo um, to an extent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Okay. Um, so what you're basically saying is you didn't, you weren't around very many people who either were engaging in acts where they would use this type of thing to justify them or they weren't telling you about it. Yeah, I either wasn't close enough to them that I would be hearing about it okay. or um, they, yeah, purposely were not telling me about it. So, Well, let me ask you, your, even growing up in the church, even growing up as a Christian and hearing, sure, certainly you heard, Sexual immorality is bad. You shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. All those right, kinds right. of like rules. Uh-huh. But were you ever, were you ever, uh, did you ever feel like you had satisfactory explanations for why? Um, and did you ever feel, did you ever struggle with this? Or have we been talking about it? Do you recognize any of this in your own self? Um, it, 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 that's creeped into your own worldview. Um, yeah, definitely. Especially um, when we talk about homosexuality, like, um, I'm like it. It wasn't very hard for me to to understand even biologically why sex is um, designed for marriage because, um, like you were talking about in your sermon on Sunday, there's hormones that get released um, through that that bond you to that person. And I had that explained to me. I think I had like my um, what's what was the class called? Like it was kind of like a home ec class. We had a different name for it, but um, home sex. <laughs> no, oh, okay. it was uh, life skills. That's what it was called. I suppose it's a life <laughs> skill. All right. Oh no. Uh, anyway, it, so we were like, we did like baking and like finances and stuff like that. And then we had a sex education um, part and I'm assuming my teacher, uh, Mrs. Rasmussen was her name. Shout out to Miss Rasmussen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know home, she listens to this. Home ec, whatever <laughs> class. Yeah, at, for sure she at, does. At yeah. Glover Middle School. Okay. I don't know if she's still there or not, but I could look it up. Probably. Um, You're pretty young. Hey. Yeah. Um, she, she explained how, how there was like, like even if, even if you don't buy any of this Christian morality stuff, even if you're completely against all that, there are actual biological things happening um, in your body that are bonding you to that person that is going to make it um, very mentally damaging to you um, to have sexual partners, numerous sexual partners, um, before you reach an age of marriage and after that age, of course. But mm-hmm. anyway, she was talking to middle schoolers. So. That's interesting <laughs> because that is not the primary message that's going out I'm telling these you, days in I school. Don't, I don't know how I got through public school with such like very like... I'm guessing that it was a, that you grew up in a pretty conservative area. I mean, the other conversations we've had on the podcast suggest to me that Spokane, which is as far as I can tell in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a, it's a it's decent small, sized city. It's a small patch of somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. It's a decent sized city, but it's not, it's not really surrounded by much metropolitan. No. The influences on it, it's far enough away from say Seattle and Portland that right. it has, it's probably more influenced by Midwestern ethic than it is by, you know, a Seattle Portland ethic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely just barely, um, I'm not even sure which way Spokane County like votes, uh, whether they vote liberal or, or uh, conservative on, on most issues, but um, it's it's definitely not like overwhelming. Like it's not like it's not like it was Texas or anything like that. 
you know, it wasn't like super conservative. Yeah. Like well, that. it depends where you are in Texas. My brother lives in Austin and that's about like Portland. So, oh, really? yeah, I mean, it's the only place in Texas I know of that's like that. Different issue, but I'm, I'm just guessing that, is Austin that it was coastal? long enough. No. Okay. I don't is, know Texas. Is, yeah, it's very big. Houston is coastal. Yes. Okay. Houston is. Houston is and coastal. Austin are mm-hmm. similar words in my brain. Yeah. And I think Houston's what? Three hours from Austin. I don't know. Somebody comment. Um, the geography the fact is, is that we've, we've rapidly moved. So even junior high, which would have been like 10 years ago for you, um, what are you, 24? Yeah. So yeah, about 10 years ago. Um, even in the last 10 years, things have moved relatively rapidly mm-hmm. in, in this area where I don't think you're going to find that the common way of, of people explaining sex education in the way that you're talking about. In fact, it's, it's definitely moved towards um, a, a body soul dichotomy body soul dualism mindset i have i have children they've been in public school yeah what they were telling them was not what you just heard right well i will say um probably the closest thing to like a negative like sexual education uh experience i had in the public school system was that i don't even know if i describe it as this but it was just very like clinical i guess like they didn't i think i started i probably started having sex ed classes in third grade no, second grade. I remember being in second grade wow. and having like just like a week of like where they'd split up the guys and the girls and uh, we'd have like a sexual education course. And uh, although they called it human growth and development, I remember that now. Hmm. Um, that seems very young. Yeah. I, and I didn't even think about it at the time, but like now thinking back, I'm like, I was like a, a toddler. I mm-hmm. mean, I wasn't, but um, when I look at second graders now, it's, it's like, like seven years old. Right. It's, it's yeah. young. Um, but it was very like, like like a biology class you know mm-hmm. it was it was more like that so i guess and that's really and that and that actually is more of what you'll see is a very clinical it's a good word very mm-hmm. clinical in other words dealing with the body and nothing else here's how you have sex here's what sex looks like here's your parts here's right. your anatomy here's a condom this is how you use a condom here's you know here's this mm-hmm. but nothing to uh to deal with what you were talking about, which is this is going to affect you as a person. Like yeah. this is going to affect you. Emo- there's a, the, had there's real reasons for those. Group. We had an abstinence group come into the, I can't remember what they, they had like an acronym that ended in a, um, but they were like a pure abstinence movement mm-hmm. where um, like, like four or five high schoolers came to our middle school and were like, we're all either committed to abstinence or like recommitted to abstinence and like they gave like their like testimonies on why and i was like yeah. at the time i was just like oh cool that, like this matches what i hear at church but now it's right. weird and, and i think, think probably about. there's still there's still abstinence groups out there who probably get to get into some schools and it depends mm-hmm. where you are in the country and lots right. of things but the 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 wave mm-hmm. is moving in the direction of a very clinical approach right not dealing with uh, the emotions of it, more of a, you should do what you want. You should experiment to find out who you are, yeah. you know, which is a different issue. And we'll talk about that later. So I, wanna, I don't want to go too far down the identity issue, um, but it's definitely more of, of taking things from a perspective of this is your body. This is, how you, this is how you use your body. This is what your body does without addressing the body as the person. Right. And when you do that, it just becomes so much easier to start thinking about yourself as a, as a dualistic being. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm me, the me is not my body, right? Because, I mean, if you think about it, and you can walk through some examples. If you got your arm cut off, 
you go to war or you in an accident or whatever and you had your arm cut off, would you stop being you? Right, right. No, you wouldn't. You'd still be you, right? Everything that you know about who you are would still be true. Now, now in some do, ways, you wouldn't be, right? Right. People have, like, pretty serious emotional yeah. uh, trauma from from losing. Even, even when it's not, like, a dramatic, like, war type of situation, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, having losing parts of your body like is going to affect you in a pretty severe way. Right. Because it is you. Because right. you are your body. When your body stops working, mm-hmm. you know, you go sleepy. Right. You no wake up. Yeah. Um, it's, it's done. And mm-hmm. so uh, now, of course, as believers, we understand what happens in that moment. We understand the resurrection of the dead, bodily resurrection. We're all going to be made new and so mm-hmm. on. That's a, that's a different issue. But you will be bodily resurrected. You will not be resurrected just as a soul um, or soul spirit. You will be body, soul, spirit. That is the plan. Plan um, for God in redeeming the world, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know, and you'll be raised to eternal life or to eternal death, essentially, um, the second death. That's uh, you know, theologically or, or what we understand biblically, that's what's going to happen. But I think that a lot of people don't see it that way and do not see their body as part of who they are as a person. It's a thing to care for. It's a thing. Sometimes it's a thing to worship. You know, people worship exercise. People worship sex. People worship, you know, by their actions, they show that those are the most important things in their life. But they still see their body as as separate from who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to get into things like the transgender movement, um, issues like that, where you can see that you couldn't find a more clear example of body, soul, spirit, uh, dualism, than saying literally, my body is not who I am. I am. I not only is it not, that my gender exists not in my body, mm-hmm. but in my feelings, in my mind, my soul, my spirit, that right. type of thing. And so that I can even have a gender that's different than the body that I have. My personhood is so separated that the fact that I'm born with particular as a particular gender is meaningless. Right. I don't know why I never put. That idea together with I never put those two ideas that dualism together with uh, with transgenderism I never put those two ideas together. I think it's probably the clearest example. Yeah, it's the clearest example that you have. Uh, You have the example in abortion uh, where you get to call the baby because because now we know that it's a baby from conception. Right. But we now basically will refer to it as body and not person, not fully person. Right. Um, We have it in sex where we say it's not my it's not me Mm -hmm. at at my at my deepest center. It's not me who's engaging in these sexually immoral immoral acts. This is something that I do with my body Mm -hmm. to make my body feel feel good and it doesn't have effects on me as a person. Right. Um, and then of course in transgenderism, um, homosexuality, some of the other particular, uh, uh, issues that, that exist, you're really seeing it at its fullest extent. You know, this is not, I am not my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, as we, as we talk through and walk through this, I think what, what should be the result is that most people, will recognize that there's some level of mind-body dualism that exists in their own worldview, mm-hmm. that they ha- that to some extent they have bought into this. Um, I think before these, before these uh, issues were brought to my attention, I think I probably did see um, a, a divided person. Uh, you know, I think I probably did, at least in some areas of my life, uh, see this mind-body dualism at work in the way that I thought about things. And it really does yeah. affect the way you think about a lot of things. Right. Well, and, and maybe for you, it's, I'm not talking about you, David, I'm talking about for, for 
people in general. Maybe it doesn't necessarily, maybe they already have a Christian upbringing that has taught them um, sexual morality. Um, so it wasn't like an issue, but maybe uh, you struggle with, with how you eat. You know, it's just, it's just my body. I'm just trying to, uh, I'll go pray a lot. I'll go read my Bible. Right. I'll go um, spend my time putting my mind on, on godly things, but it's just my body. I can eat however many Oreos I want. I'm um, speaking personally. Uh, I can eat however many Oreos and ice cream and, and all this uh, junk food that I want. Um, just kind of putting off um, the significance of your body, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, the what you're bringing up about food and and those kinds of things is important because body uh, soul dualism, right? Mind body dualism does not just affect us when it comes to issues of sexuality or gender identity or those kinds of things. Which hopefully we'll get a chance to talk more about gender identity um, a little later because I think that's a really important one for people. Uh, but the the food thing is also important, and of course, all of these things have another side. Which is to say, um, we can do mind-body dualism, and instead of using it as an opportunity to feed the flesh, we can use it as an opportunity to starve the flesh. And both have been ways that people oh, right. have have made mistakes, right? So we have we have a um, let's just say a history uh, of what we'd call asceticism in Christianity. Asceticism is basically things where we deny the body. You see it in other, in other religions as well. Uh, Hinduism, you know, things like that, that holiness is found by essentially denying the body. There are guys Mm -hmm. who will, you know, stand on one leg for 20 years or, you know, sit in a certain position for, you know, a year straight or whatever, things like that. Thinking that by, that by doing something that keeps the body, um, for, you know, from getting pleasure, that they're becoming more holy, which is essentially saying, I am ignoring my body so that I can be more spiritual, uh-huh. right? And so we see that in, even Christians have engaged in asceticism from time to time. Um, well, and, and it can be, I think it can be easy to think that that's right because we, you know, we have things like fasting, you know, where do you draw the line between asceticism and fasting? Well, fasting can be an ascetic practice as opposed to a spiritual discipline. If you use it with the mindset of I'm doing this because I'm trying to ignore my body mm-hmm. because my body is unimportant, then, then it's asceticism. It's, not, right. it's no longer a spiritual discipline, a spiritual discipline that's saying I am holding something back for my body to remind me to focus myself on God. Right. Right. I am, I am going through a certain amount of pain. I'm going through a certain amount of, of, um, giving up certain pleasures as an, as an attempt to focus on prayer. So we even see it with sexuality. Paul says, look, a husband and a wife should not deny their bodies to each other. The, the husband's body belongs to the wife. The wife's body belongs to the husband um, for sex. I mean, he's not, you know, we're the ones who are so prudish about this. Paul wasn't prudish about it. Uh, look, you guys belong to each other for sex and you should not deny sex to each other, except if together you decide to not have sex with each other for a time, 
right? Not forever, but for a time to what? Devote yourselves to prayer. Mm -hmm. So you're holding yourself back from sex with one another, which is a good thing. You're holding back that good thing in order to focus on God, not to focus on you being more spirit and less body. Right. That's not the point. Although some Christians have done this and, and Paul speaks against, he's like, look, you're saying, do not taste, do not touch, do not do this. And, and these things you're, you know, you're essentially using, but that's not the point because God likes sex. God likes food. God likes stuff. God likes your body. He made your body. It's, it's not a, we are not supposed to be denying ourselves the pleasures of life. Um, who's the guy uh, out in Minnesota? Um, Piper, John Piper. Yeah. So he talks about Christian hedonism, right? The idea that we're supposed to be living these lives of joy. A, a believer is not supposed to be trying to find every possible way to avoid pleasure so that he can be or she can be more spiritual. Right. That is not the, in fact, you're not honoring God by saying the stuff that he made is not, is not valuable. Whether it's your body or the food that was made for you to bring you joy or, or sex or whatever. Instead, you're supposed to enjoy those things in the context that he's given given them to you. Mm -hmm. So not Oreos and ice cream all day and not sex outside uh, of marriage and not, you know, whatever, because, and I'm not saying there's not a day where you could eat a lot of Oreos and ice cream. Okay. There's, there's time for feasting and celebration and whatever. And if that's the way you do it, you know, whatever. I mean, there's better food out there. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, maybe we'll just do a podcast on the best food, right? But these things are, are there for you. God wants you to enjoy them. God is, God's made this, this earth, this day where I'm, the sun is in my face and, and I can go and drive down 14 and look at Mount Hood. I should be enjoying all of that stuff. I shouldn't close my eyes so that I don't experience the joys that come because I want to be more spiritual. Mm -hmm. That's asceticism. And that is, and that is not a Christian practice. So for those of you who think that fasting or other ways that you, that you hold yourself back or, 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 or use self-control as a pure means to forget about the body. That is not the point. The point isn't to forget about the body. The point is to take certain things out of your life so that you can more directly focus on prayer, on God, on whatever. It's not because your body's bad. It's not because you're, it's not because that pleasures aren't good. It's saying I'm foregoing this pleasure right now to focus on prayer, right? Mm -hmm. um, but your body is good. It was made, I mean, God made man and woman and said, this is very good. And we want to say, it's not good. It's bad because sometimes I want to do things that, that are bad. Well, sure. In those cases, you should, uh, you should use self-control. Mm -hmm. If you're single and you're not married, you should not be having sex. Right. If you're tempted to have sex outside of the context of marriage between one man and one woman in a committed lifelong marriage, you are, you should not do that. You should have self-control, but that's not asceticism. That's saying, I want the, the joys that the, that God has, has provided and has made in the context that he provided them for. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, have you seen... Um, people who who engage in, in these ascetic type of, uh, of of practices as a means towards holiness by becoming more spiritual than body is that something you've experienced? I th I think if I see that um, and even in myself, what it is is it's is it's looking at fasting and trying to um, and, and misinterpreting the need and uh, purpose of fasting. Um, I think sometimes. Um, the way that we have lived our lives and grown up is, well, if I, if I, it's like you're trying to make up a deficit. I want to um, be more spiritual. 
So to make up for that deficit of, of my lack of spirituality, I'll just go through this uncomfortable experience or pain um, to counteract my lack of spiritual um, maturity, I guess, is, is what I think happens. And it's, and it's kind of a sneaky dualism that I think... Um, well, and you're just talking about pure workspace religion. Right, right, which... Yeah. Which is every religion but Christianity. And of course, lots of Christians fall into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the temptation will always be towards Phariseeism. The temptation will always be to be the person who says, I'm giving this much money. I fast every week. Mm-hmm. I, I follow all the laws. I do all this. Look at me and see how holy I am and how spiritual I am. Yeah. That's always but a I tendency. Think, I think even if, even if you're not, I think Pharisaical, when I think of Pharisaical, um, faith i guess you would call it maybe faith um you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to impress those on the outside even when i'm not trying to impress others um i might be trying to impress god i guess i guess that's probably the closest thing i would say um to trying to impress so so walk me through this okay because there's a line here Uh uh-huh what is the difference between trying to impress god and doing things because you love him um, I think because I'm trying to get something for myself, um, I'm trying to impress God and thinking that by, by creating this, um, this, I guess, reducing this deficit of my sin through my, it's it, the, the faith or the works-based faith, um, or works-based religion by creating this deficit where I deprive myself of some um, comfort or, or joy, um, I am earning God's benevolence. Yeah. Um, and so it's not necessarily for people outside, but it's um, in a way I have faith, but it's I'm misplacing. Um, I, I don't have love. Yeah. It's faith I, without love. Right. So it's kind of one of these, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but don't have love, right. I, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, right? Right. If I Even know all with God. prophecies and, and all these things, if, I have, if I've done all these works, but I'm not doing them in love, my heart isn't right, Right. then they're meaningless to me. Mm-hmm. Certainly that's to God. true. And they're meaningless to God, right? They're, that's not what he's looking for. He's not pleased with sacrifices for for that purpose or with that mm-hmm. heart. Right. Um, and, and of course, yeah, I agree. I, I don't know what I would say for the person who's like, Oh man, this is really hard because you know, now I've got to sit there and question my motives when I fast or when I, or when I spend time praying or reading my Bible or doing these spiritual disciplines, I got to say, is this really because I'm trying to please God or I'm trying to make up for sin? Or is it really because this right. is what I would say, don't beat yourself up. Instead, just ask yourself a simple question as you walk into a practice like fasting or praying or any other spiritual discipline, am I doing this because the love I have for Christ is compelling me to want to grow closer to him? Mm-hmm. And I see this as a way to draw closer to God um, by, by sacrificing, by presenting my body as a living sacrifice and using self-discipline in this way. Am I doing that as a love offering to God so that I can grow closer. Not because I'm saying my body is bad, not because I'm trying to make up for sin because that's, that's done. That's done at the cross, mm-hmm. but because I'm compelled by my love for Christ. If you can answer that question, yes, or even change your answer from whatever it was to yes in that moment, mm-hmm. then I think you've redeemed 
the the action that you're doing. Um, if it is, if you're definitely like, no, I just feel really bad because I did this sin. And instead of believing that the cross was sufficient for it, I want to somehow make up for it. Then you're, then you're on the wrong page. It's kind of like, look, I used to do a decent amount of criminal law. Mm-hmm. I don't really anymore. Um, but there was a time when I, when I represented and it was all defense. I didn't, I was never a prosecutor. Um, uh, you know, uh, that wasn't really my bent. And some people were like, oh, defense attorneys are the worst. And you're probably right. But in any case, um, just wait. I just think that there's David. a feeling with some defendants where it's like, let me just pay my debt. As though spending 30 days in jail is going to um, make what you did right, rather than as a retributive thing that brings you back into. Um, into uh, community with with your community it brings you back into relationship with your community as a retributive thing. Instead, it's like I've actually paid for this harm that I've caused. Well, you can't pay for a harm. It doesn't work. There's nothing you could ever do if you if you come and punch me in the face, right? And because you're angry with me. Are we me, acting this out? No, we're not going to no, act this okay. out. It doesn't play well for a podcast. If it was on TV, <laughs> I'd let you do it. Okay. Um, if you punch me in the face. And then you go to jail for five days. What does that do to alleviate the suffering you've caused for me or the future suffering or me being afraid now of people or whatever, right? You mug me, you do whatever. I'm going to carry that with me. You can't, you can't make it go away because you spent five days in jail. So you haven't paid your debt by, by the self-discipline of being, of taking your freedom away for five days, right? Right. Um, what you've done in that process is more about what you've done between you and the community to for as a retributive punishment to come back into community with with your with your the people who you live around right mm. that's why it's not it wouldn't be david robinson versus hunter croft in the criminal case it would be the state of washington versus hunter croft because who you're really paying the price to is the people of the state of washington does that make sense mm-hmm. and i know we're kind of getting off but it's important because your because what we're doing when, when we're getting forgiveness from god is actually dealing with the nature of the sin that cannot be undone other than by the ultimate sacrifice that Christ made for us. And so it's only the cross that can ever that because he's the only one who's going to make everything new is in his resurrection. He's showing that he's going to make everything new. And, and because of that, you are you are saying by putting it at the cross that you're trusting God, that he's going to make it new, that he's going to restore to the person that you've harmed what can be restored because you could never do it. And certainly not by going to jail and certainly not by fasting or beating yourself up with a stick or, or self-immolating, setting yourself on fire or the different things that people do uh, for, for protest or for holiness or for whatever that will never do it. Mm-hmm. You cannot do it by, by destroying the body. You cannot um, ever make up for the thing that you've done. And so if that's the mindset behind your spiritual disciplines, you have the wrong mindset. Mm-hmm. And so, but it is definitely a common one. And again, it's a worldview issue. It's a lack of, it's a lack of the church doing its job in shepherding and discipling people and teaching them what repentance is about. You know, penance in the Catholic Church is a different issue. We could talk about that sometime um, that I think really leads people to thinking that they can say X number of Hail Marys, you know, do this, do that. And that's the penance that you pay. But even in the Catholic Church, I seriously doubt that penance is what's paying for your sin. Right. right? I don't think that that even there theologically, I don't think they would say that or at least an educated Catholic, I don't think would say that. Um, nevertheless, it would lead 
lead the average person to think that somehow by doing these things, you can work your way back into God's graces. No, you have God's grace. You're already if you're in Christ, if you're a believer, if you've called on his name for salvation, you're already justified, you're already sanctified, you're already seated in the heavenly places, it's done. And so when you sin, you put that at the cross, just like you put everything before that moment of believing in Christ and receiving his salvation before the cross. And that is what pays for it. The other stuff we do as, a, as an attempt or as, a, as an act of love to grow closer to our Father, to grow closer to Jesus, to to live in the Holy Spirit, and in and to and to uh, hear from Him and understand what's going on and whatever. That's why we do those things. It, it has nothing to do with the body being bad, and it has nothing to do with paying for things. Um, but these are, as you've pointed out, I think very common among believers, and hopefully, a conversation like this will set some people free from some of that. Right. Uh, understanding grace, I mean. You just can't live as a Christ follower for very long without understanding grace, or you're just going to be in pain all the time. If mm. I thought I had to pay for my sin, um, if I thought, and certainly if I thought I had to pay for my sin, I would not think that fasting could do it. I would think that that death maybe, but that's but that's the closest thing that I could imagine. Um, right. So uh, you know, I, I, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You went to one of the reasons I I asked you the question about seeing people like do the ascetic things because you went to a Bible college, right? And I, I could just see like a pure Bible college. Like I went to a Christian college, but it was a liberal arts school. You know, it was a university. You went to a Bible college, right? Where like basically everybody there was looking to to engage in ministry at some of them so i'm just wondering did some of the students kind of fall into some of these practices where it was like hey we spent all night praying last night or we or i've been fasting for this many days or whatever as an attempt to like show you uh or or to or to uh you know think that they were achieving some sort of holiness by by uh, denying the body and, and acting like the body or the or the desires or whatever were evil I'm sure it happened, but it wasn't like it wasn't out there. It wasn't obvious. I had a a close friend who, you know, he got rid of his mattress in his dorm room and he got rid of he didn't have a pillow, he didn't have a mattress. He had like a blanket that he laid he had one blanket that he laid blanket that he laid on top of his um basically box spring uh bed frame and then a blanket that he put over him and that was all he slept with and he had like just super minimal, super, he, and he's he's planning on going into overseas missions, and so that was really so. Motivation. This was like a preparation for missions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that probably looked closest to what you're describing, but I don't think that was his motivation. I think his motivation was. So just, I'm like totally opposite from this guy because <laughs> for me, like if you're going on a diet and you know it's going to be like a, you know, a serious diet, you're really right. going to be denying yourself. You you right up to the second that you start that diet, it's like, dude, get me more Oreos and ice cream, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm about to really suffer. So the last thing I'm going to do is prepare for a diet by dieting. Right, and the right. last thing I'm going to do is prepare for the mission field by not enjoying every last second I get with the very best mattress I could possibly get. And, um, and so, here you are. And here I am. You don't see me on the mission field. I mean, I do go and do missions, but right. they're short term, right? I'm going back to my mattress. Yeah. Um, and no, but if God called me to that, maybe I would. I, I don't see that as, as an attempt to... Uh, to create holiness in your life so much as a true preparation, just like school is preparing you mm -hmm. um, for, I mean, it, it makes sense. Right. Um, you don't want to show up in Africa or the Middle East or wherever you're going and end up like not physically prepared for it. Right. Right. So I guess and that makes I'm sense. sure. Um, I mean, I haven't 
I haven't asked him this particular question, but I'm sure there are times where you can say, oh yeah, I was kind of getting in, I, I kind of got up on myself. Uh, like I, th- I thought highly of myself because I was doing this, you know, because um, we would all we'd all go, where's your matches, dude? Yeah. I, I've been sleeping without it for like a month now. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. And I'm sure like he had to kind of like hold, I'm sure you'd have to hold that back. There's no way you wouldn't yeah, yeah, be yeah. able to. Um, you can tell us his name so we can shout out to him or not. Sure, David Hamilton. David Hamilton. Yeah, he's way to not, go. He's not far, f- or he grew up not far from here. He grew up oh, okay. like at the base of Mount Rainier, basically. Well, you know the guy who who just died in that island. Um, we talked about it some time back. Yeah, he's from around here too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, my my friend David, he I was just talking to him a while ago, and he was telling me where he was thinking possibly of going. But yeah, he's he's going to do Bible translating. Is he still sleeping without a mattress? I have no idea. I want to I wanna know. See, I would have gone to him. I would have been like, dude, where's your mattress? And he would have been like, I'm sleeping without it. I'd be like, that's cool. Can I have it so I could have two mattresses? <laughs> yeah, I think someone did have two mattresses. <laughs> that's definitely what I would have done. I would have been like, hey, I don't care. I don't think any higher of you for not sleeping with a mattress, but I will take it so I, I can have two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just, I guess I'm just a terrible person. But, <laughs> you know, I would I would take the extra mattress. He's not going to use it, right? Right. Um, so anyway. Is it stealing? It's we'll see stealing. when he gets married if his wife wants to sleep on a box spring with a blanket. Yeah. That's, uh, well, and it's funny. He always had buzz cuts, and then he was dating a girl for a while, and he started growing his hair out, and he like had like nice hair, mm-hmm. and then and then they aren't yes. together anymore. And he women have a again. way of making us uh, of making men more reasonable right. because they're more reasonable than us. Sometimes <laughs> we're just kind of you know ridiculous, and like just grow your hair out. Come on. Um, anyway, no good for David Hamilton. So we said, yeah, David good Hamilton. for David Hamilton. He's actually been here before, but you didn't see him. Oh well. We then, filmed a video, right? Over there. Yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know if the podcast listeners care, but um, now you know. David was here at some point. So he <laughs> didn't sleep here, though. So the mattress thing doesn't really, isn't really appropriate. I, I think that uh, I think that what I want to leave everybody with is, you know, think about whether or not this mind-body dualism, you know, this soul-spirit versus body, this type of thing, you know, personhood in your mind is connected to... Uh, just your soul and your spirit and not to your body. Um, that if, you, if there's anything in your life where you don't see your body as part of who you are as a person, um, and because that needs to be corrected if you're going to understand who you are. Do you want to understand who God is and who you are? You need to understand that you are a unified whole of body, soul, spirit. Yes, it is true that we live in a fallen world and that therefore your physical body is has been affected by that but that doesn't mean that it's not good that it wasn't made to be very good and that it won't be renewed and redeemed to be very good and uh you know enjoy your life it does not make you more holy to be a person who never does anything fun it just makes you not very much fun did i say very much not very much fun um and you don't want to be not very much fun i mean we you know here at axe church you know and i hope at your church if you're listening to this and you go to a different church you know we we value having fun, enjoying life, laughing, doing things that, that are, that are exciting, doing things that are adventurous, like, like enjoy what God has given you. There's enough work. You do lots of work. We're all doing lots of work. There's lots of pain. There's lots of difficulties. You know, we have people that we know that pass away. We have people that go through cancer. We have people that whose marriages to have, we have all kinds of things. We have enough to deal with in this fallen world without also on top of that, not enjoying life because we think that holiness is is wrapped up in denying the body every pleasure um enjoy pleasures in in the way that god has intended them to be enjoyed but don't deny yourself them you Mm -hmm. know seek out seek out enjoying life um now having said that 
Don't be an idiot either. Don't don't live your whole life doing nothing but seeking pleasure. That's also not God's will for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk. We can have another podcast sometime about work and and what that means and and God's plan for us and work. But I want to leave you with this mind body dualism or this or the soul spirit body dualism, and and let you think through it as you as we close here um, and uh, see see if it's affecting your life in any way. We may do one more where we talk about this in terms of. Um, uh, identities, personhood identities, gender identity, um, sexual orientation identities, things like that, where where people have gotten this uh, backwards or, or mixed up because of the way the world has has been telling them to live, and as a result, uh, they they may, maybe you'll be able to see some of the problems that that are caused there. So um, let's pray, and we'll end it there. Father, we just thank you for. I thank you for the sunshine today. I thank you for the birds we've been hearing. I thank you for uh, the life that you've given me. I thank you for sex. I thank you for food. I thank you for uh, walking in a trail. I thank you for uh, golf and disc golf. I thank you for swimming pools and and uh, family reunions and, and Christmas dinners and all the things that we just enjoy in life. I thank you that you give us so many things that, that give us joy. And I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage and, and the uh, ability um, to, to walk through the difficult things in life, Lord. But we thank you that you have made this world good and that you've made us very good. And, and we are sorry that it's broken and we want to see you redeem it. And we want to see your kingdom and your church push back the darkness, Lord, and be a light, not a light that's underneath something, but a light that's set high for other people to see. And I pray people will be drawn to you, Jesus, as a result of all the good things that you've made and that they would take hold of the truth that they are a integrated whole person body soul spirit and that they would and that they would honor their bodies as well as their soul and spirit as who they are lord and that we would and that we would honor each other each one of us made individually and special and unique lord and i pray that you would show us who we are in you and that you would grow us in our gifts our talents our abilities lord i pray that our spiritual gifts would be would become clear and that we would walk in them and we would walk in your will we pray for those uh, today who need prayer, who are suffering, who are struggling, um, who have had deaths in the family, who have had, who have sickness going on, who have financial problems, who have marital problems, relationship problems, problems in school, whatever it is, Lord, we just pray that you would give them strength, encouragement, and, and the ability to push forward in your name. Amen. Amen.